Hi, this is Brendan Davis from Bedrock Games and the Bedrock Blog, and I'm here with Adam Balderstone for another episode of Bedrock and Balderstone. And today we're talking about episodes four and five of Farscape Season 1. We've been uh, watching Farscape, kind of like we did uh, about a year ago with Babylon 5. We're now uh, having Adam take me on a tour through Farscape, and we're, we're, we're just getting into Season 1, and... The first episode that we saw was a, uh, an episode called Throne for a Loss, and the second episode is Back and Back and Back to the Future. And so we'll be talking about those, uh, starting with Throne for a Loss. Uh, Adam, why don't you give us the just a really quick synopsis of this episode? Okay, quick synopsis for this episode. Rachel uh, kind of sets this one off. He's trying to negotiate for uh, more food uh, for the uh, group, and he really builds himself up as the as being this great emperor which uh leads this alien uh race they're negotiating with the tavlex deciding they're just going to abduct him and hold him for ransom but of course there's nobody that wants to pay ransom on rigel and at the same time in order to make himself look cool he won a nice jewel for his scepter which he stole from basically the brain of their ship so the uh, ship is uh starting to decay in orbit towards the planet and so basically everyone even even though in other circumstances they may not we, we're, we never know would they have rescued him otherwise or would they have just let it go but they are forced to rescue him and uh it kicks off from there so uh, oh, there's also another plot line involving a captured soldier and zon that's going on it's kind of a subplot yeah, this episode was about average for me in terms of uh-huh. my, my response to it. It wasn't it wasn't a bad episode. It wasn't like a great episode, but I enjoyed it. I had fun watching it. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and I thought there was some good character uh, stuff going on, even a little development because we were learning more about um, Dargo's blood system and you know. How, oh yes, yes, you know, that's the, right. The, the little details like that I found interesting. The the glove was both. A little kooky, but interesting as well. I like that it added... It, it's sort of like I could see all... It was one of these episodes, you watch it, and you could see, ah, they're adding this to cre- to increase the tension, and they're adding this to, to do this. <laughs> but it but it was still enjoyable, even though you could clearly see them laying these pieces down. Um, everything from, like, the ship orbit decaying to the glove adding this internal conflict between the characters. Uh, yes. Because, because otherwise it would have just been an episode of Rigel in prison, basically. Um, yeah, and which, you know, they did but, they did the best they could with those. Actually, having having the the guy the weird alien Jotham of the consortium of Trow next to him uh, made that more interesting. And, but still, you can only go with so many sitting in a cell scenes. And then and and there was also the whole thing with like the glove has this stimulant in it. That yeah. The what are they called? The Tavlex. The Tavlex are basically addicted yeah. to it. They've just yeah. given not, not in. Not Tavloids. Tavlex. Yes. Oh, sorry. Tavlex. No, no. You said it right. I was just just referring to the fact that that Crichton keeps keeps getting it wrong. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, he got a lot of names wrong. Even in this in the second episode, he called the Scorvians the Scorpions. I think. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but but I like the twist that there's sort of this race that. They encountered something highly addictive that obviously would have like crushing effects on people, and they utilized it for military <laughs> purposes. And it became, yeah. but it became part of their culture. And so I found that kind of intriguing because it was clear they were treating it the way like if if this were like a fantasy world, the way certain uh, places might treat sword play or something. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. it was like that. Like there's this, it's it's it, there's also this reverence for the 
uh, I forget what it was called. Was it the Gauntlet, or did it did it even have a name? Uh, I think I think they. I, I now now you mentioned I can't remember. A Gauntlet sounds right to me, but I couldn't swear that's Gauntlet works for me. We'll but call I, it the Gauntlet. I got weird vibes from this episode, though. I got like. I got like alienation vibes in the scenes between uh, Zahn and the guy that was uh, sort of getting off of the effects of the drug from the gauntlet. And I don't know yeah. if it's because maybe that actor was he, he see he reminded me of like one of the alienation characters. I don't know if it was because the actor played in the series or the, or the movie or if it just was the makeup. But but I just this kept actually thinking... has one of the same. This show has one of the same creators as Alienation. Oh, does it? it. Yeah. Okay, yeah, because that's I used to watch that show <laughs> with my mom, and I, 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 I was I, I just kept thinking this. I don't know why I keep thinking Alienation in these scenes, um, but I was also yeah. getting like, and I don't mean this in a bad way, even though it sounds bad, but I was getting like a Battlefield Earth vibe from a lot of the scenes that were occurring on the planet, and I don't know why for that either, but I just kept thinking of Battlefield Earth. I I, I kind of I, the, the aliens in this one are very comic book. I uh, which I I, I kind of like it. It's it's they they are they are kind of kind of ridiculous, but uh, there's just something I, I find really amusing about the uh, the aliens in this episode. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they they do feel comic book. Now that you're saying, I I can see that. This, this whole concept of the the gauntlet and everything too is just it's it's all. You know they've got this this superpower with a super weakness and stuff, and you know it's it's. Uh, uh, I, I did. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. You go but ahead. I I actually think the strongest storylines in this one for me were the ones involving Rigel and I forget the name of the creature, but the other emperor that was imprisoned that that saved him, but then tried to absorb him into his into the, yeah, the he was head of yeah. some conglomerate or something. I can't remember. The consortium of Trow. Yeah, the yes. consortium of Trow. Thank you. It's a it's a good name. <laughs> and again, back to our Doctor Who thing. That is a good name, consortium of Trow. That sounds good. Way better than all the the crap names we were getting. Doc, Doctor I, Who. I, I've been thinking the same thing watching these episodes. You know, the previous episodes too of Farscape. Since you brought that up with the last season of Doctor Who, I'm like, Farscape has has really good names yeah. compared to uh, that season. And uh, and I don't want to. Yeah, you know, we won't derail into a tangent on Doctor Who names, but no. I, uh, but but I quite I, I did quite like the name when I heard it. Um, but I like that that whole dynamic between those two characters um and, and the and the and and just like seeing rigel so low was was kind of interesting and i yeah. also oddly enough i liked the 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 subplot with zahn um it was a, it, yeah it was sort of heavy-handed but it wasn't like it was a real drug so it wasn't like they were saying gauntlets are bad <laughs> do you know what i mean it was uh and, well, it's 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 interesting. I mean, it's it's interesting because it's good character building for Zahn. It's like you know, you get to see Zahn. You know, it's 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 a failure of Zahn. You know, it's like her of her spiritual side. She's trying to do this big spiritual thing and she fails. I feel like I feel like it's more about Zahn than it is about the the drug to an extent. You know, about her her having this this situation where she thinks she can fix this thing with her love and benevolence and no he's just gonna go back and get his gauntlet back but at the same time like i i have to wonder if it was a failure because i mean it's not like he was a drug addict in a in a in a in a planet where he wasn't supposed to be doing that oh yeah that was like the culture so like he goes back what is he gonna do what are they gonna say to him when he says (laughs) no i'm done with the gauntlet 
Like, what's going to yeah, happen? I know. You know, I mean, it looks like they might kill you for that. I mean, I don't know enough about their culture, but I, I wouldn't surprise me if that leader just broke his neck for for not wearing the gauntlet anymore. You know, so yeah. Uh, yeah well, no, I, I, I when I say a failure, it's a failure in her eyes. Definitely, yeah. she she seems to uh, feel that way. But, but, uh, but I'm really liking Zahn increasingly as the series goes on. Um, yeah. He's becoming one of the more important characters, really, in the show. Uh, I mean, everybody's important because there's not that many. But, uh, but, but she feels like a real pillar of the, of the overall shape of the group, if that makes some sense. Oh, um, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and so, so, yeah. So, I don't know. I thought it was... Uh, um, like I said, it, it did. I, I would still place it at average because I want to be very. Uh, one thing I learned from Babylon Five is I really have to give myself the spectrum of ranges because if I come in and say yeah. this was great, and then the real great episode comes, and I and I already have a sense of the quality range of this series. So this I felt was like an average episode. It had some good things, um, and 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 I think that the thing that kind of made it average was it had two really great com- parts. And the rest was sort of like we were saying. It was entertaining, but it was clearly just there to make the episode work and keep it suspenseful enough. Okay. And I, I feel yeah. like I feel like if I had watched this episode when it aired, I would have been fine. I would have been like, "This is a good episode." But in hindsight, you can sort of see that st- stuff better just when something's had time to to age. Huh. Do you know what I mean? And so yeah, yeah. I mean. I think, too, this is another episode where I think I, I'm enjoying it more on the rewatch than I did the first time. Because one thing I'm really noticing with the show is that the characters are all expressed really well from the beginning. You know, sometimes you watch like, you know, it sounds like you watch the first few episodes of an old sitcom and none of the characters feel like the characters are. are yeah. And you're like, oh, that's weird. But with well, this show, I feel like everyone is that character because so because I already had this real attachment to all the characters, it's making even an average episode like this even better for me, I think. I don't know why, but the classic example of what you just said to me is like Dan Fielding from uh yes. Court, you know, where he starts out as like a conservative sort of kind of kind of cruel guy and then like over the course of the series he becomes more of a sex maniac and that becomes his defining character. Like like, yeah, like, like they keep the conservative stuff back. but I'm sorry? He just becomes a total sleaze bag yeah. over the course of the show. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, they, no, they, I, I mean, I don't know where they're going with this show, but that that is interesting. I, I do think though, science fiction series do tend to do that better than sitcoms. Like, like Babylon yeah. Five. I don't know. I guess some of the characters did kind of evolve, but uh, yeah, Bonaba feels a little off in the early episodes. Mm-hmm. I think maybe just like the first few, mm-hmm. I'd say, before she really hits her stride. But on the whole, they did a pretty good job there, definitely. I mean, because that's a show, too, where they had a very good idea of where certain characters are going. So, like, you know, Londo and Jakar, for example, are really struggling to find because there, there's an arc there. That they're yeah. towards. And, I mean, to an extent, this show this show has some, some interesting character arcs, too. So, But, but you're talking about something. different things. Character arc isn't the same as characterization. Okay. No, but yeah. when you when you're when you are planning on having a character arc, you wanna you wanna you wanna build A so that you can make yeah. the shift B. But, but but I guess what I'm saying is what you're saying though is that um, the personalities are fully formed. Like yeah, like you know like like there may be a character arc on top of that, but a lot of shows they start out and the characters like not fully thought out in terms of the personality traits, and yeah. and then like 
either they figure it out or or the character does something random and people love it and so they just start pushing that that personality button over and over and over <laughs> yeah. again, which was probably what happened with Dan Fielding. Um, but uh, but but I I think I I think um, I don't know. I mean I I, I like the characters so far. So I think uh, and I think yeah. I think they're all. I'm I'm never. I'm never like, oh man, it's like a Dargo scene, or oh man, it's a Sun scene, or oh man, it's a it's a Zan scene. Again, the only one who's even slightly boring to me is Crichton, and a lot of it is because he does cringeworthy worthy things that they're that are deliberately meant to be cringeworthy. So yeah. it's uh you know, and I think part of that is you're supposed to kind of feel his embarrassment and be in his shoes, maybe. Um, yeah. So it's sort of like, oh, maybe I would be behaving like that. If I were, you know, because because he, he sort of does these dramatic things that don't really work out, uh, like like you can tell he you can tell he was thinking about it in advance when he walks into the room, and then when he gets there, it just kind of doesn't pan out the way he imagined it. Uh, so, yeah, no, it's it's. I mean, you know, and on the on, on the character thing too. I mean, I think one thing this and Babylon Five both have in common is that a lot of the drama in the episodes comes from conflict between the main characters like you know not because the, the case of farscape they're rarely you know not sometimes they are but they're rarely out out now fighting with each other but there's a lot of a lot of tension between the characters so having those characters developed is crucial to both shows i think yeah yeah no, it's not you know it's like in you know, Star Trek: The Next Generation, for example, the characters were all pretty bland at the beginning, and they didn't need to be because they were always facing enemy of the week, yeah. and that was that was the main dish being yeah. served was dealing with the enemy. So, yeah, we'll have to, at some point we'll have to do. I think if we ever do Star Trek, we should start with classic Trek and go through because I think that would be. Ah, uh, yeah. I think that would yeah. be a more interesting uh, discussion starting point for Star Trek. Uh, yeah well I, I mean that would that would also open up then you could talk about what makes the other ones different but yeah. uh yeah uh, yeah i think that would be the way to do it and also there are fewer original series episodes so it would be it would be a easier beginning for uh, <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> yeah doing all of original star trek is an attainable goal definitely all, all of the next generation gets harder the more you work through it um yeah there's a lot of it too i mean i I watched that show when I was in high school, but I'm always amazed because I would, after I left high school, I kind of stopped watching it. Cause, you know, I was in college and I wasn't watching TV much, but, uh, yeah, I'm always amazed at how long that show was on the air. I, uh, yeah, it was, was it, it was just, like 10 years or something? It was something like, something like that. Yeah. I think about 10 years. And I was like, I really, I really only watched the first three seasons at the time. So, you know, whatever else I've caught over the years in a random rerun. Yeah, it's uh, well, it's funny too because now our favorite network airs it, uh, BBC America. BBC America, our favorite British show. Yes, but, but but not only that, but they air it in like the most crappy possible way. So it's like it, it, you know, like a lot of a lot of a lot of networks have figured out how how to take a show that was done for like a square TV and make it work on a widescreen TV, which everybody has now. And, yeah, and uh, and they haven't figured out how to do that, so it looks all crappy. And, uh, and yeah. the sound quality is bad. 
I know. Just just have bars on the side. It's like I I remember on on Christmas Eve, you know, my nephews were watching TV and the Simpsons Christmas special came on. I'm like, oh wow, it's that original Simpsons Christmas special from 1989. I sat down to watch it for two minutes, and they did the same thing. It was like the top of the screen was missing and the bottom of the screen was missing, so it would fit the widescreen. And like you're always seeing like part of someone's head or you know this is cut off or that's cut off and i was just like for two minutes i'm like no this it's not it's not like it's not like the early simpsons is beautiful animation but they've still utterly ruined the composition of this show i can't watch this well if if i recall and i don't know because every time netflix puts something up again it's sometimes different but uh, but like eight years ago or something, I think Next Generation was on Netflix. And I remember the quality being way better on Netflix than on BBC America. So that's where I would yeah. recommend people check it out, if it's still there, which it might not be. Um, but I guess getting into the next episode. Yeah, really let's get back to first game. Um, uh, so the next one is, um, what is it? Back and Back and Back to the Future. So it's clearly a Back to the Future reference. Um, and uh, and with good reason, I suppose. Uh why don't you give the the breakdown? The I mean, it's yeah. a hard one to cover, but it, you know, just the general. Yeah, yeah, just the general setup. Yeah, these uh, uh, they they encounter one thing. I'll just bring up before I get a synopsis. I like the way both these episodes start almost with with the action basically going. It's like you know, the previous episode starts with they're they're meeting these guys. They like a slower show would have had them hear about the aliens. Yeah. They would have arranged the meeting. Yeah. It's like no, the meeting's just about to happen. Yeah. Boom, you're thrown in. This episode, they're they're watching this ship that's just disintegrating and uh <laughs> I, I have to say yeah, the pacing of this show is interesting because it feels like it was a little bit ahead of its time, but then we actually slowed down a little bit after this show. So it's like, yeah. you, you normally when I go back to a show, I feel like I see something that was like, we were half baked. Like, like that's like, I can see the clear evolution of how now shows are even more breakneck, uh, you know, paced and things like that. But, yeah. but this actually feels like jarring in a good way. It's sort of like when, when they first started doing all kinds of stylistic stuff with movies, you know, like, you, and, it, and it's like, and it's, and it's, and it's surprising because it breaks what your expectations are. I still find that my expectations at the start of the episodes here are a little bit thrown off for that reason, but I, I very yeah. quickly grab on to what's going on. And, 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 and I should, I do want to mention one thing I liked about the previous episode was that twist where they go to the meeting and the guys basically rob them. I thought that was a very unexpected. <laughs> yeah. sort of thing. Well, it's, it's funny because Crichton is spending the whole time going, don't take your gun. No, you know, it's like going this long argument, you know, it's like, and nah, she was, she was totally, totally right to have her gun. It's like the, the, the cliche thing would be for Crichton to be right in that situation. But I'm sorry, your, uh, your, um, breakdown of this episode. Yeah. My breakdown, uh, is these, the, this ship has, at first they're all, this this ship's disintegrating in a weird, creepy way, and no one wants to get close. Well, not no one. Zahn does, but you know, uh, Rigel and uh, and Dargo are a lot more skeptical about getting close. But they uh, then then Dargo sees that there are these this this these aliens he knows the the Illinax, and he's like, no, we must we must rescue them, bring them on board. And so they do. Uh, they pick up these two. Uh, aliens that are doing some strange experiments uh, and Crichton gets zapped by uh, 
by something that we don't know what it is at this point. It starts having flashes to the future, and uh, which is it's it's a it's a you know it's a concept that's been done before. I mean, I remember Star Trek: Next Generation did it to go back to that, but I feel like it's done really well in this episode. Yeah, but uh, well, I think so. A few things about this one that I quite liked. Uh, I thought this was a really good episode. Mm-hmm. I, I really enjoyed this episode a lot. It felt like it did, and it felt very Star Trek to me, and not just because of the the similarity of that plot, but just the the, the way the threat presented itself with him being zapped and like you you know something's gonna go on with him and and uh, and what was her name? What was the woman's name? Uh, Matala. Matala. With Matala yeah. not being all that she's seen, but clearly there was something sinister <laughs> with her. Um, yeah. I, you know, it, it it was a it was that kind of an episode, but it was a very it was very well crafted, very well structured, and I like that initially these things look like flashes of insight, but it turns out he might actually just be leaping through time itself. He might actually be experiencing these things. Yeah, um, and and so that that uh, that it was it was it was almost kind of what was that movie? Not the movie. There was a book too. I think it was the Time Travelers. Wife was that what it was called? Or... Uh time traveler's wife. Yes. Something uh, like that. No, 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 no. The uh, yeah, yeah. Time traveler's wife. I think you're right. I might, yeah. I know there was a Doctor Who episode that had a play on the name, and I might be remembering that more than the original yeah. title. But yeah, no. I think, but it was I think that. You're right. But it felt like that kind of time travel, like that kind yeah. of like you know you're you're time traveling in your own body type thing, um, and it's like uh like like almost biomechanical. Yeah, I mean, Slaughterhouse Five is the other obvious reference. They even you know, kind of reference it with uh, that's where his phrase, you know, being unstuck in time, that comes from uh, Slaughterhouse Five by Kurt Vonnegut. So that's like the only Kurt Vonnegut book I've read. I think. Uh, oh, okay. Slaughterhouse Five. Um, <laughs> well, that's a, a good one to pick. If that, that's the one about the Dresden bombing, right? Yes, that, yep. that's the one. Yeah, I remember that more than the time travel stuff, actually. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but, uh, that's really the heart of it. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, I thought that um, I thought that that style of time travel worked in the episode, and mm-hmm. I. But I, what I liked about it was that I liked the switch up where you think it's flashes, then you start wondering, oh, is he really going forward in time? And and I like the way they have him trying to fix it, and it felt it felt like I like they said shows do this, and and this is like a common time travel plot device but just the way that they handled the presentation of it really worked it was yeah um you were giving you just enough information to to keep you to keep things mysterious enough do you know what i mean like you you still were like well okay i get that she's bad but how is she like you, you, you were still on the edge of your seat curious to find out what was going on and also they were introducing a lot of important world building stuff as they were doing it. You were learning about this alliance between um, Dargo's people and uh, what's, what was the... The Illinax? The, yeah, the... Illanix. The Illanix. The Illanix. The Illanix and the Luxons. The Illanix and the Luxons. And, and, uh, but then they throw in the enemy because she's like a, a spy. And so then you learn of this, was it the Scorvians is what they were the called? The Scorvians, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and also this episode had this really interesting sexy quality to it that I thought was, was <laughs> unsettling sexiness. Yeah, to it, which yeah, is because great. it was yeah, it wasn't like a sexiness that you could relax into. It was like oh my god, the hero's in peril. But you know what I mean? Yeah, like, like, well, there's 
there's parts that you know well, well that's something i like the, the classic thing a cliche science fiction show would do with this is have the first flash forward be the ship's gonna blow up you know yeah. it's like boom the destruction of the ship which is he actually have one where that happens but it's like that would have been their lead in the whole episode would be how are you going to avoid this but with this with farscape the first leap forward is into this really unsettlingly weird and creepy sex scene. Yeah, and it's so like, it's, and it's weird too because it's like leathery. There's like a leather attire thing going on that I don't think you see when she's first introduced, and so yeah. and so it makes it a little bit surreal because you're like, well, that could just be his fantasy. Do you know what I mean? Because I don't yeah. remember her dressing that way. It looks something about the way it's shot really throws you off, um, and. And then they just did a good job with the humor of it because he's he's like embarrassed by these like like it's it's the one thing you probably would want to keep to yourself if you were in that situation. You know? Yeah, so. it's it's a great reason for saying, well, why isn't he telling anyone about this? And then they have the scene where he does talk to Dargo about it. It's the most awkward and hilarious scene. And Dargo's like, you stay away from yeah. her. No, and I like that. I really like the jealous rivalry. And because because again and 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 they explain why later in the episode where Dargo's basically it's been so long like you forget this guy who's in a prison and yeah, you know um, eight and, years yeah so so it's it's a very understandable emotional overreaction that he might have and I don't know much about Luxons maybe they're all built that way maybe they maybe they get very possessive but but it was uh, but it was kind of a funny humorous rivalry uh, and. And, 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 and again, the thing that I, is, even though Crichton sometimes annoys me, I did like that he was constantly making the wrong move throughout the episode. And, yeah. But he was doing it in sort of this self-assured, dramatic way. But it was just kind of <laughs> falling apart. He, it just all went wrong in, 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 various, in various ways. Um, and and yeah. you could sort of tell his, his big thing is it, it seems like people kind of think he's an idiot or useless. Do you know what I mean? And he's, and he's, <laughs> and he's trying to prove himself. But then... Something about his nature, he's almost got like an armor Arnold Rimmer quality to him. Um, for, I don't know if you've watched Red Dwarf at all, but there's no, a No, I haven't. Okay, I so haven't. there's a character named Arnold Judas Rimmer. And that mm-hmm. the name pretty much tells you everything you need to know about the character. <laughs> um, but, but he's kind of a coward who has delusions of grandeur of being this great pilot named Ace. Like he always wants people to call him Ace. But he's just a sniveling, sort of cowardly guy who you know, will backstab his friends to sleep with a hot chick. He's that kind of a, he's that kind of a character. And I'm not no, saying that Crichton yeah. is that, but there's, there's hints of that when he does things like hide behind the bins when, uh, yeah. when <laughs> Matala attacks. Do you know what I mean? There are, there are these moments where you sort of understand why they see him as cowardly. Um, and sure. So, yeah, or or ineffectual. They seem to see him as ineffectual. ineffectual. Yeah. More than cowardly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I love the classic line in this one. Where uh, I think Aaron asks, you know, what's the matter with him? And Zahn's like, he is Crichton. Yeah, yeah. That's just... <laughs> like, yeah, that sums it up. But, so, uh, so yeah, so it's you know, I I thought I thought that everything in the episode pretty worked pretty well. I also like the stuff about the war that that Dargo just learns about in the yeah in the context of all that's going on. So the the, the way that Dargo has to learn about that and the way that we're learning about it, it gives it an emotional weight because you can tell Dargo's surprised. And, and so, uh, and, then, and then we learn more about Dargo too. We learn that, that his, his crime is maybe more significant than, uh, than we were led to believe. And yeah, yeah. We learn that he is not telling the truth about it. Uh, that's 
Yeah, because I mean, it's uh, yeah, you kind of get it in two, two stages because when he's talking to Varel and it's saying, well, you know, I got this crime, and the guy's like, well, is it treason? And he says, no. And of course, the crime he was talking about in the first episode when he tells Zahn, he says that he killed his commanding officer, which is that's pretty treasonous. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> that's somewhat somewhat treasonous to kill your commanding officer, but uh. So then we find out explicitly later, he says that, you know, we find, we find out that it is something different, although we don't, we don't know the details. Though, though we do know he considers it a personal matter or something. So that makes, it's that personal. shifted my attention to his household. Do you know what I mean? That made me say, oh, did he murder his family or something or kill like a brother? Or like, was it like a more intimate type of thing than a yeah. battlefield situation? Um, so yeah, I, I, I I, I like that development. I also like that it's still kind of intriguing me now because I'm like, oh, well, what could it possibly be that it's worse than killing your commanding officer, but also <laughs> could be characterized as a personal thing? Um, you know, those are the only two things I have to hang hang anything on. So, um, yeah, it's a nice nice development there. And uh, but yeah, you know, getting back to Crichton now, one of my favorite things in this episode is you know the, the mask that he keeps dropping and breaking, and the classic. Once again, the classic thing a typical show would do is the, during the final timeline where they finally finally survive, he would put the mask back and it would be okay. Yeah. But no, not in this show. He sets it on the ground and he just crushes it before yeah. he goes. <laughs> no, and that was that works because to me that was like visually him taking control of the situation. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it exactly. Was, it was it was a very effective method. Also, I really liked that conversation he and Zahn were having. And I liked the way that I—I I mean, the editing of this this episode was very slick. I thought because they did uh-huh. an incredible job. It could have come out really disjointed and confusing and weird, and it was confusing when it needed to be. But they were able to leap. They were able to give you the future and then have it leap back to a moment, and it didn't fall apart. It it, it worked, and you understood how it was working. And and it and 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 then when he finds out um, that uh, what did they say? Time dislocation or whatever. That yeah. uh, I thought number one, I loved I loved the I loved the weaponry. I loved the idea of them using this black hole, and, <laughs> and I liked that that was the cause of this. That was a that was kind of it, it was cool when when it was sort of explained. Um, what was his name? Varel was that the guy's name? Uh, Varel. Yeah, yeah. When it, Varel kind of explained it. I also I also felt that they made very efficient use of exposition in this episode. It wasn't. It wasn't necessarily like, you know, sometimes people get too deep into the show, don't tell. It wasn't quite that. It was more, they just were very, they just managed their time very well with it. And they kept it engaging yeah. and interesting. Um, yeah. And, and I, I, you know, with, with the conversation with Crichton and Varel too, I, I like, I, I like it when they, you know, that they, they remember that Crichton is a scientist. As soon as he brings up a quantum singularity, Crichton's just like a black hole. It's like yeah. he does, he's not, he's not like, what? Can which, you explain that? Which is also really great because it's, that was a good way to sort of explain it to the audience. Because not everybody, especially at that time, I don't think a lot of people would have just leapt from, from, from quantum singularity to, to black to, hole. Yeah. No, and so, exactly. And so I think that, uh, I think that that was, but they didn't sit there and go, Oh, a black hole. You mean a, you know, like a collapsed star that like, he, yeah. he just, he, he just said black hole. That's all you needed to know. And, and it, you know, it, it doesn't, it, it didn't dumb it down too much, but it yeah. also, it also was totally, it, it was totally aligned or not aligned. It was, it, 
it made sense that that a scientist character would say that. Do you know what I mean? Like it felt yeah. like, cause it, cause like you said, they were kind of nodding to the fact that he's a scientist and reminding you he has a scientific background. And, yeah. and so that, that one line, cause that was my thought when that happened. I was like, Oh yeah, he's a scientist. He can communicate with this guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. They can, they can talk, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, I, I think what's good about this episode too, the, the editing is kind of crazy, mm-hmm. but it, it actually makes it more interesting because, once again, the more traditional way shows like this work is you go through the entire story once, then you go through it a second time, then a third time. Whereas this, because it jumps around a little more randomly, it minimizes the amount of time you have to, you know, go through the same portion of the story again. It yeah. Kinda, yeah. It cuts to the chase a lot by doing that. Well, but, uh, and they're different enough each time too. I felt in this one, yeah. Like they weren't like like because there are some shows where that gets really tedious, where mm-hmm. you got to you got to like literally sit through the same material again and again, and it's very <laughs> slow. This was all done very. I, I, I didn't have that problem at all. It, it, it was it wasn't an issue, and um, and I think uh, yeah, I don't know. It was, it was uh, this was a really good episode. I was I was. Uh, I, I I I enjoyed the whole thing. I didn't I didn't yeah. have any complaints. No, no. This is this is just a classic classic Farscape episode. I would say. I'd say this is this is probably the first truly classic Farscape episode. Okay. So. All right. Okay. So that definitely raises the bar a bit. Um, yeah. And uh, and yeah. So so the, this you know I'm curious to learn more about the Scorvians because the one thing I noticed was when she sort of revealed herself, her voice changed very dramatically. Yeah, uh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, she does the, uh, yeah, I mean, she goes from one weird voice to another. It was like, well, before she was using almost like a porn star voice. Like it was sort of like this, like she really stuck out. Like it was like, this woman is not, something is going on here. And it was yeah. like, it was, uh, it was, it was like, um, uh, I, I feel like it, they did a they did a really good job of making you afraid of her character from the beginning, but but doing it in a way that sort of just like put you off guard a little bit. Like you weren't, you know, you 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 were you were you were like a, a little bit more uh, focused on on um, on the wrong things. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. so, and so I think, I think that it worked. I think that, I think that aspect of the show worked. Oh. I also was kind I, of puzzled. Why is this like sexy temptress, like having this completely academic relationship with, with, uh, what's his name? Um, uh, Veryl. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And so I, I, that, that, that when, for some reason, I don't know why, and I, but when Dargo spoke to Veryl and Veryl was like, Oh, if you want to get, you know, if you want to be with her, that's fine. That's when I really started to get suspicious of her. I don't, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Because I was like, oh, you mean she's not tempting everybody? Then there's clearly something wrong here. Like, there, there, you know? I, I, I like the fact she was so unsettling, too, because it it adds to the fact that, you know, it, you know, we talked about that scene already with Crichton and Dargo, where, you know, Crichton's talking to him and Dargo's like, he thinks he has some crush on her. And it's just like, and Crichton's like, no, she's really not my type. But it's like, yeah, it's like she's completely, <laughs> completely, there's just something about her character that's really off-putting. So it makes it, it makes it more funny than if the character really were yeah. like seductive in an appealing, 
TV kind of way that was drawing the audience in. The fact that most people watching the show are like, well, there's something wrong something with going her. On. Yeah. yeah, it's very – well, she's like half crazy or something. There's something weird going on with her. And you can tell with Crichton, like he's disturbed by these intrusions. Do you know what I mean? He's yeah, like, it's yeah. Like, it's bothering him. Um, and, and Dargo is the one who's – again, though – I thought that made sense because the way I was looking at it was, well, if Luxons and Ilonix have this long-standing alliance, then they must be a little more compatible than, like, you know what I mean? Like they've learned yeah. about each other. They, they, you know, so so he knows how compatible they are as a species and all that stuff. So whereas with Crichton, I think I think he even said like, can I even do anything with her? Like I, can't, yeah. like you know, he he doesn't know. And and it's and it and it's also kind of interesting because it kind of gets at the Star Trek thing where Kirk is like you know famous for you know like sleeping with all these different uh, and I guess Riker later on um, yeah but uh, but you know you know that on the one hand you know Star Trek kind of hand waves all of the all of the problems that that entails and this episode <laughs> sort of highlights a lot of the problems that that entails, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. Yeah. Crichton just doesn't know what's going on at all. But, uh, but yeah, no, this is, this is, uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, we have the, the scene with, uh, Aaron and, uh, Matala too, where they fight, where we get to see a little bit of, uh, Aaron's personality there with, uh, <laughs> where, where, they're, they're you know they're not just sparring uh, physically but uh, going at each other too. I was I was remind and again that reminded what is it is it Nimbo Jitsu is that the one from Star Trek? Yeah, yeah, the, uh, yeah. Oh yeah, I can't remember the name of it, but I, I know what you're talking about. I'm gonna look it up while we're talking because I do want to get that one right. But um, the uh, I don't think it was Nimbo Jitsu. It was no, like, it's not. It's uh, Yimbo Jitsu. Uh, no, I, I don't. I, I I couldn't be sure, but I know it's not Nimbo Jitsu. But uh, let me see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that was a uh, her, her little scorpion strike attack. Well, that whole oh, I, I don't know how I Ambo Jitsu. I'm sorry, Ambo I got, I got it way jitsu. wrong, way wrong. Ambo Jitsu, the ultimate martial art. Um, <laughs> yeah. Which that scene is always just struck. That's like always that scene encapsulates to me like how shows and movies get martial arts completely wrong. Do you know what I mean? It's just like a complete <laughs> misunderstanding of all the things that go into a martial art. Uh, and so I was thinking about that during this scene. Number one, I think this was, it, it's a martial arts scene of its time. It's a, it's a martial arts scene where the, particularly with the Matala character, she's doing these like really odd hand movements that were <laughs> extraordinarily impractical. Um, yeah. And, and then she finishes off some with a dim mock type thing with a, like a scorpion sting almost, which I thought looked pretty cool. I thought that was the one of the better moves that they invented for the scene. Yeah. I thought that the, the Sun stuff was good, though, because she seemed a little more practical in her approach. It felt like she was just kind of a basic punch and Punch kick. you in the face. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which fits her character. She's not going to be doing anything too crazy. And interestingly, she was the one winning the fight the whole time up until that, that dim mock move. So, yeah. you know, it was, yeah. it was uh, I, I thought that um, uh, I, I thought that it uh, that it was a it was those scenes I always enjoy in these shows, because on the one hand, like I'm sort of critiquing them, like from a martial arts point of view. But I'm also very interested in like the date. Like, if you, I feel like when you watch movies and shows and you look at the fight choreography, especially like American shows where it's like not 
it's not like we have a standard fight choreography that sustains over 50 years or something like that. It's always yeah. very prone to whatever's in the air at the time. And, you know, there's a, there's a difference between a show that's choreographed in the seventies versus the eighties versus the nineties <laughs> versus the aughts versus today. And, uh, yeah. and this is very, this to me felt very nineties. Um, uh, yeah, well, we are still in the nineties yeah. technically at this point in the show. We're still in, in 1999, I believe. So what, what year was the matrix? Was the matrix 99? Cause I feel like that's when a lot of stuff shifted. Yeah, I think that was 99 actually. Yeah. I feel yeah. like you get like a matrix shift and then you get like the UFC shift. You know, I don't know what we're in today cause I don't really watch movies as much as I used to, or at least not yeah. releases. Um, but, uh, but, uh, but, but I, but I feel like this felt, this felt sort of still rooted in that period where anything that looked vaguely stylized like that was assumed to be effective and good. And, <laughs> and so, and so there's this it's, dance like quality to it. Um, yeah. But no, I wanted to get your opinion on that as the, uh, as the, the expert on that. I thought I, we can't, we can't have a have a have an episode without a fight scene like that well, without what, talking about what i did like about the scene was the mat the mat looked very realistic to me it looked like a real fighting mat um like yeah the, uh, the mat is actually the peacekeeper symbol by the way which you may not have picked up on i didn't yeah but, but just the the the, the stuff like I, I imagined it was like a thin foam mat that you might uh-huh. see it, like some jujitsu places would use it when i did taekwondo we had like a foam sort of interlocking mat that we used it was like a square um and so I think that it just looked like a, it looked like a, um, like I could feel the texture of it when I was watching them. Do you know what I mean? I could, and yeah. like, that felt like that felt that had like the believability factor to me. Um, but yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I did enjoy the scene too, because there was this sense of peril surrounding it since you knew that Matala <laughs> was more than she was supposed to be. And you were a little bit disturbed that Crichton just didn't even seem to even worry about the risk of her, yeah. being, you know, alone I... with him. I know. I, I kind of thought the same thing. It's like, oh, good, you're going to keep her busy, Aaron. You know, and it's like, aren't you even concerned that, you know, I, mean, I, I get you're happy that Matala's going to be busy, but aren't you concerned that something's going to happen to Aaron here? But, and something does happen, non-lethal, fortunately, but still. But you could have <laughs> at least given Aaron like a, a wink or something to, to indicate, you know, uh, the danger. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it's kind of funny the way he talks. He talks in a way that would totally tip Matala off to be suspicious, but not in a way that would tip Aaron off yeah. to be wary. <laughs> and she definitely seemed tipped off because she touched his hand. Didn't she like go over? And... She. Yeah. Well, I think, I, I think too, I think that's the whole reason. She doesn't have any reason to take Aaron out other than the fact she's like, I think she's suspicious. Like I've got to get back. I'm just going to knock Aaron out and I can go back and, and get involved in things again. So I feel like, I feel like he kind of prompted her to use that move on Aaron. Cause otherwise why would she have bothered? That yeah. was really okay. her only reason. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, yeah. So I don't know. Any other thoughts on this episode? Is it, uh, you know, or the uh, two episodes together, two episodes together. Uh, no, I, I think uh, I think I've pretty much covered everything I had to say. It's uh, yeah, I I, uh, I think I think we're getting into the the meat of the show now, and we're gonna uh, yeah, I I, I think uh, we're we're getting more and more into the point where it's it's truly becoming Farscape as of this episode. I guess one thing I'm noticing, maybe this doesn't remain as a pattern as it goes on. 
but it feels like Rigel is the character that they can sort of shift to the background fairly easily and not have to worry about as much. Like they like they can have scenes where he's just kind of chopping on food and grumbling and talking. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, true. But uh, and so so I, I sort of noticed that, and it and it kind of works. It's like a it, it, he kind of gives the ship some atmosphere, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, well, I think I mean I think from both a story perspective and from a it's like a story writing perspective and from a practical and universe perspective. I mean, Rigel is, you know, within the world, he's not someone who's going to want want to get involved in a lot of action because he's yeah. just this little little amphibious dude who's, you know, two feet tall and can't walk that well. So it makes sense for him not to get involved in a lot of action. And from a writer's perspective, every scene they don't have to pull the puppetry in is a little bit easier <laughs> on them. So it uh, it kind of makes sense on both angles. Yeah, no, I, 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 I think that that stuff was, uh, I don't know, I, I just, uh, again, it's, it, I, I only mentioned it because I've been saying that, like, I don't get bored when any of the characters have their spotlight time. Um, mm-hmm. And so it, it's, 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 it's interesting to me that, that Rigel seems to be the one that, that they're almost comfortable not giving spotlight time sometimes to. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, well, I think, I think, cause he, he is the most ambivalent character in a lot of ways. He seems to be the one most likely to take moral shortcuts and stuff. Yeah. And so it's almost good to have him in the background because you don't get, you don't get too familiar with him too quickly. So it's, you know, you, you, it makes, makes it, makes it harder to say which way he's going to go. Yeah, so. no, that's true. And there is that, that, that scene at the beginning when he said, I'll help you now. You help me later. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and he hasn't really. He has. I don't think he's called him on that yet, has he? Has he? Has he? Has he asked for the 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 reciprocations? I don't think so. I don't think so. But uh, yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. He's uh, uh, he he does work well in the background, definitely. Um. So so, anyways, I think we will uh uh we'll you know leave it here uh and. And we'll resume next week. And this Friday, we're going to be doing uh, Soul of the Sword on Wuxia Weekend. Um, this is an incredibly dark Wuxia movie. I, I cannot emphasize that enough. I was, <laughs> I've seen a lot of Wuxia movies, and this one surprised me with its darkness. Uh, it is not dark in the way that it's highly atmospheric. It's not like dark like you know the camera work makes it dark. It's dark just because of what happens and and the, yeah. you know, so you 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 kind of have to. I think you have to watch a bit of classic Shaw brothers wuxia to appreciate the level of darkness that this movie has. Um, because it might, if you're used to like walking dead and sort of more, more sleek, modern, dark character drama, it might not seem quite as dark. Uh, but, but it definitely is. And so, uh, so, so, uh, so yeah, so we'll be back and we'll be back on Sunday with, um, with our 11th sun discussion. And I know we got other stuff, uh, in the works as well uh, but but yeah so we will let you go and we will talk to you later <laughs>